Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, our weekly podcast here at Tech Advisor. This week, I am your host. It's me, Toddy. Dom is elsewhere. As you might have noticed, what we mentioned at the end of last week, Dom was swanning off to Hawaii, but he's not having a holiday. He is actually doing a lot of work, uh, a lot of work, which we're going to talk about this week. But before we get to what we're going to talk about, I am joined by Hannah and Lewis here helping him run the show. Uh, we're going to Touch on some news first, and then we're going to talk about everything that has been going on at the Snapdragon Summit, which is what's going on in Hawaii. Namely, a new uh, chipset that's going to be running pretty much every flagship phone next year, more or less, minus a few notable emissions. Um, Then a very interesting uh, portable games console that is both a Snapdragon or Qualcomm and Razer-based affair. And then we're going to touch on the Honor 60 line, which just launched in China. Um, but speaking of China, let's roll back to some rumors uh, that have happened this week about Huawei, which is a new foldable that the company has maybe been cooking up for, I'm going to say about 18 months at this point. I'm pretty sure I started writing about it a long time ago. But um, there has been a new set of developments from... Now, this is a machine-translated username, so I don't know if it's the correct username, but Chrysanthemum Films Fans, that's films with an S, on Weibo, um, shared some information from a company called Zauli Technology, and I've probably butchered that pronunciation, <laughs> um, uh, who make smartphone hardware. Uh, namely, they've been working apparently on a hinge that is a lot simpler than the kind of hinges we've already seen from the likes of the Huawei's own Mate X range, uh, Samsung's Galaxy Fold and Flip ranges. Um, and this simpler hinge means it's a lot more cost-effective and more reliable. That's the theory anyway. Um, and apparently this hinge is ready for mass production. They've actually started mass production and it's assumed that this hinge is going towards devices that are being made by Huawei. Um, there are a couple of renders in this post as well, which fall in line with some of the early CAD and um, paint and stuff that we saw on the Mate V or whatever it's going to be called from Huawei a while back. So if you haven't been following along, uh, the Mate V is essentially Huawei's take on Samsung Galaxy Z Flip line. So instead of a book-style foldable, it's a clamshell, um, which we've not actually had from the company yet. I think, Lewis, you tried the Mate X2? No, the Mate XS, excuse me. Yes, was it? it was the XS, yeah. I was like, not Which had the external folding display yeah. and no internal display. That's right. And then they kind of changed that up with the Mate X2, which Dom reviewed. But those were both still very much Galaxy Z Fold-style book yeah. foldables. Um, so yeah, so this is a, uh, a notable change um, for Huawei's foldable strategy, something that I think they've been cooking up for a while. So if it does come to market, it'll be great to see, although I have a sneaking suspicion, at least initially, it won't launch outside of China. The The rumors do suggest that it's actually going to hit as soon as this December, as Ooh. in right now. Um, but I doubt that's going to be anywhere other than China. Uh, Next up, staying with the foldable thread, we also have some new details on um, a foldable that Oppo might be working on. This one does appear to be a book-style foldable, and uh, Digital Chat Station, who, if you don't know, has done great work in the world of leaks and mobile technology, has come with a few tidbits of specs about what that device might be bringing to the table. So it sounds like a more modest take on this sort of form factor, uh, namely because it has a 60 hertz external display and then a 120 hertz internal screen. Um, And with that, it has a 32 megapixel uh, centrally positioned hole punch camera on the external screen and then a corner positioned in the top left corner uh, selfie camera on the main display when you open the thing up. And beyond that, all we really know is that it has a triple camera on the back led by a 50 meg sensor and the design is going to be kind of like the Oppo Reno 6. 
So that's all we know right now. That's not a lot to go on. We've heard of Oppo talking about and working on on their own foldable for a while, but we've yet to see one actually come to market. Um, we've also seen the, I think it's the Oppo X2021 concept, which was an expanding phone. So they're clearly very interested in new form factors and trying to kind of push form factor t- technology. But with specs like that 60 hertz screen, it seems more like we're going for maybe a slightly more affordable, I'm hoping, option than maybe the uh, Mate X2. I mean, I'd be I'd be happy to see that, right? Because like all the other foldable phones, like you know, not to be mean or anything, but it's like it's for, it's for people who you know were looking to splash out, and you know, I think mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah I think... It's like yeah, it'd be nice to have something that has that protective sort of uh, thing and is a bit you know can offer something different, but people can not have to worry about dropping like a month of London rent on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> London rent as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we might have touched on it last week in our Black Friday segment, but I think Don was extremely excited because there were discounts on the Z Flip 3 that meant it was about the same price as a regular flagship phone, which yeah. was kind of, that's that's. I mean, even to, I was tempted and I, you know, I'm diehard iOS, but I was like, hmm, you know, for 799, that's not bad at all, is it really? Well, now, now you might want to hold fire because there's two potential new options coming from both Huawei and Oppo. I mean, maybe the Huawei one might not be for you without the Android, the, the Google Play services, but the Oppo one I would totally consider yeah. um, depending on the price point that they hit. So we'll have to wait and see. We don't have a date or anything on that just yet. Um, revolving from foldables to Sony, um, I actually went hands-on with the uh, Sony Xperia Pro-i, which is... I'm not going to get too into complaining about names because I feel like I do that every week. But had a <laughs> go, on. Yeah. and it's always Sony. So always, <laughs> always. Um, but this is yeah, effectively the successor to the Xperia Pro that they launched last year. It is effectively also uh, an Xperia One Mark Three, their current mainstream flagship, albeit with a one-inch sensor on the back. So that that main 12 meg sensor has been up, so the physical sensor size is bigger. Um, supposedly this means you're going to get better quality out of it. You're going to get more realistic um, image quality, better bokeh, lots of different things. And some of that came across in the hands-on. Also the manual control, the levels of manual control. They've added another app. So they already had another I already one. had issues with the Xperia 1 Mark III because they'd already split up the stills and video app. Um, and it was a bit confusing because of, I think stills were also available in the video app in basic mode or something weird like that i can't remember now but if you go back and listen to that episode with my xperia one mark three review you'll you'll find out but now they've added they've got the cinema pro app the photo pro app and now the video pro app which is just a different yeah what that's (laughs) that's that's the main thing i took away from my hands-on was like that's really weird um but the actual story this week is that despite them announcing the phone in october and saying it was coming, we now actually have release dates and pricing. So if you're in Europe, I think France got it yesterday as we record this on December 1st. And the European pricing all over the place seems to be consistently 1,799 euros, which is pretty steep, but a lot cheaper than the last Xperia Pro, which I'll, I'll mention in a second. In the UK, what? we get it today. <laughs> I don't believe it or not. Yes, <laughs> Today we get it December 2nd in the UK. Uh, I think it's for £15.99. And then it's coming to Germany for the same European price on December 7th. And then it's coming to the US on December 10th for... Uh, let me check my notes for that one. Yeah, same. dollars So, yeah. It's, it's not an insignificant price tag. It's foldable pricing. It's actually more expensive than... I think 
a Z Flip 3. Oh, yeah. Z Fold 3, excuse me, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's pretty crazy. But then, to put it into perspective, the last Xperia Pro, which didn't have a particularly upgraded camera experience um, over the standard Xperia 1 Mark II that it was basically based on, this one, uh, that one cost £2,299 or $2,499.99. So, it's a lot cheaper so perspective-wise, yeah. it's it's an improvement, right? <laughs> There's got to be only a handful of phones that are over two grand. Before you right? get into like the gold-plated, super yeah, luxury, obviously. silly yeah, editions talking. from like yeah, yeah, third yeah. parties. Yeah, absolutely. It is I mean, a not insignificant amount of money. Do you remember when phones weren't that expensive, though? Like just generally. <laughs> like I remember the iPhone used to cost like £600 like for the top-end iPhone. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. even then I was like, that's I mean, a bit still... much. <laughs> <laughs> now here we are yeah. talking about two grand phones and I'm like, no, what is like going on? my soul. Honestly. It's I'm crazy. still impressed though when uh, at the super budget end, you know, especially now that like even feature phones updating some of our charts recently, even feature phones now, you can get ones with WhatsApp and Google um, Assistant. Yeah. For like 60 quid. Like that's pretty good. Yeah. That seems all right. So I feel like, yes, it's getting maybe worse at the top end, although you're getting so niche by the level of the Xperia 1, like Xperia Pro I, like, I think Sony knows that it, this is a niche product. I hope they do. They seem yeah. to. Um, retailers They're in the UK... They're not projecting millions of sales, are they? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. But they, they've, like, put the phone on sale, not just... They're even marketing it as a camera first with a phone sort of attached to it. Okay. And it's on sale from Wex, which is a photography retailer in the UK, more so than, like, a phone brand. I think O2 is the only carrier in the UK that's ranging it, for example. So they kind of understand that this is a, a pretty specific kind of device. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's hard to think. I mean, I know I'm not a camera person myself, but I'm gathering that, you know, even photographers, you would be paying maybe more, I'm assuming, for like a DSR and and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, my, my dalliance is with proper, proper photography. It's really the lenses where your money goes. You can get a good body for under a grand, but mm. then you could spend well over a grand on some nice lenses. Yeah. So that's really, it was something Sony actually tried a while back. They had these like Bluetooth connected external lenses. I that love you could, that like, idea. I really liked those, yeah. but they could have done so much more. They should have done a lens mount so you could put on their yes. alpha camera lenses, but I don't think the two were around at the same time. That would have been good. Hey, Sony, take note. Listen. I mean, it's just a note for everyone to take note of. I don't know why people haven't <laughs> yeah. thought of this yet. Well, like, but... One of my favorite phones from yesteryear was that Samsung Galaxy S3, I think it was, the S3 Zoom, where it, had, where it was basically a digital oh, camera, yeah. where it had a 10 times optical zoom, where it actually popped out like a digital camera. Like, that is They've still one of my favorites. a few times. Yeah, they had a, I think before they used the Galaxy name, they had a, a phone, it might not have even run Android, that was also effectively, it just looked like a combat camera. <laughs> they had the, uh, the S4 Zoom, and they had the K Zoom as well, which I can't remember if that came before or after but they were all basically just like let's go back to that and like, like a the, um, camera rather than your phone as your main camera that was the perfect kind of meld, melding of literally. those two things even that and, and you know uh, these sony ericsson cyber shot phones like they had such yeah. a focus on these back in the day oh, and it, sony ericsson I know. <laughs> I know. all nostalgia today i think our demographic is around for, I don't think our demographic is so young that they won't remember any no, of these things. I'm hoping so not. I feel that's okay yeah. to mention. I don't, yeah. think I'm, no, don't make us feel old. Yeah, I, was about to say, I don't think I'm that old, please. <laughs> yeah. I remember when the T60AI, which is like one of Sony Ericsson's first color screen phones, Ooh. you could buy a separate plug in camera that you'd snap on oh, the Oh, nice. And it was like, took like photos the size of my thumbnail sort of <laughs> level of quality. So Game Boy It worked, toy. and that was amazing. 
Um, and I have one other Sony story to talk to you, and then we'll talk about other news that happened this week, um, which is that a new patent cropped up which showed what effectively amounted to a DualShock 4, as in not a DualSense, a DualShock 4 controller that's been chopped in half and stuck on either end of a smartphone. And this is actually a patent that Sony Interactive Entertainment Japan apparently published this week. Um, it was picked up by Video Game Chronicle. And um, yeah, apparently one of the things that isn't in the picture is it also has some sort of protrusion that allows for tilt controls as well. So kind of like six axis mm. functionality. Um, and it's obviously thought to be for PlayStation games via remote play or cloud gaming, maybe through third parties like Stadia and, and um, Xbox, uh, what's it, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate? That's the correct phrase, Lewis, is that right? Uh, that's the for subscription, yeah. But then you've got Xbox Cloud Gaming, yeah. which is a, a separate thing that's also included within the pass. <laughs> right, yes, right. it's all very confusing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and I know Lewis. When I showed this first to you, you were a bit hesitant because it's just another patent. This is what I mean. Patents. Yeah. And um, yeah. My my thing mean? is like because I can't, it's, it's more on the iPhone side of things. But I've seen so many iPhone and iPad and Apple Watch patents over the years, and not a single one of them has actually ended up in a phone or an Apple Watch or an iPad. So I, you know, I love the idea of actually having a Dual Shock for iPhone controller because. That is the problem we've had with the DualShock at the moment is that you can't connect your phone to it. So it's just awkward. Um, and that's mm -hmm. where kind of the third parties come in and, and clean up. So but Sony to have something official with, you know, the the XY, XY, the square circle triangle, you know, the actual Sony mm -hmm. branding, it would just kind of complete the experience. But yeah, just based on a patent, I'm, I'm skeptical. My kind of hesitance about this is not that it's not legitimate, but I was more just curious as to why they decided now was the time, especially as... Since they've pushed remote play as, a, as an option already on Android devices, I think most Android phones recently can get the remote play app and you can stream yeah. games from your PlayStation to your phone. Um, they already sell a mount for an existing DualShock 4 controller, like an official one with a suction cup that you just stick your phone on. Um, this is more elegant, I imagine. It's yeah. kind of more like the Backbone One or the Razer. Is it the Razer Kishi? Is that the name there? Yes. Their mobile yeah, controller yeah. that snaps on the edge. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like two halves that snap on the edge, and that's exactly what this this patent, this prototype kind of points to. But I mean, they already it, have a solution. Is it, like, intuitive to use, like, these sorts of things? Are they actually, like, good in practice? Because it seems to me like it'd just be very, very awkward and bulky, and I'd be worried about dropping things. And, you know, like, <laughs> whenever I use, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. But... I think it depends. <laughs> no, no, I think that's a totally fair question. From I think it's very much hit and miss. It yeah. I would say there's factors like the size of your device to begin with, yep. and how yeah. much wider you're making it or heavier. Yeah, like I've got, I've got two phones here as an example. <laughs> right, so, so the one, one in your one. I think left hand, if this is the right yeah, yeah, around, yeah. like that's a yeah, hefty yeah, yeah. device, right? Yeah. Um, I saw one of those for these 12.9 inch iPad Pro once, and I was like, that is too much. Like <laughs> it feels literally like this with a massive Dang. strap. That you're like, yep. This is the perfect yeah. game. So you device. just may as well have a TV. You might at that as well. You just what are you doing? <laughs> just like, stay <laughs> home and play on your TV. It's fine. Literally. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, it's it's it, the the patent as well. The sizing of the device, the aspect ratio, it does look like a Sony device because it has what appears to be a twenty-one by nine aspect ratio, which not most other phones don't really go for because it's so long and thin. Um, but I think it has potential. Um, I totally see it being a product that would exist. I don't think it's a bad idea for Sony to do it. It just seems odd to me. Um, but it was also Sony has tried and failed like a bajillion times to get into or break into the mobile gaming space. Um, oh, what was it? What was it called? The, um... the Xperia Play. That was one of the things yeah. which was like a sliding Android phone that had 
capacitive thumbsticks. Oh, and then I remember that one. And then the, the buttons. Yeah. yeah, that was a weird that one. That was horrible. Um, but <laughs> as part of this story, um, they've also kind of, there are other signs that they are really genuinely gearing up this time, which is what I think gives more weight to this patent leak or patent publication. I'm not sure if it was a leak or not. Um, uh, they recently appointed in October the Apple Arcade content boss, Nicola Sebastiani, so former Apple um, Arcade kind of uh, lead person is now heading up Sony's mobile operations with regards to mobile gaming, which is interesting. And then in November, the PlayStation boss, Jim Ryan, said that they are bringing iconic IP to mobile um, within this business year, which is any time from well, now up until March 2022. Um, and then we've far. also had word that a Wipeout game, if you know Wipeout, the kind of futuristic racing game that I think was on the PlayStation 1, yep. Um, they're bringing a, a kind of like a Nintendo mobile style approach. So it's a card-based racer is the quote that I read, which I thought was a very interesting way to pitch it um, with yeah, a bunch of ships from the original games uh, called Wipeout Rush for iOS and Android in early 2022. So like all signs point to this holding water, but it is such an early patenty thing that yeah you know until we see something more tangible yeah i want to see wanna you know 3d commit. renders or something like that and i'm like okay there's yeah. been a little, little bit more work here yeah then i'll get excited but there's other other parts moving within sony's business that suggest they are genuinely being serious about yeah. mobile again and this is just another kind of piece of that puzzle that i yeah. think is quite interesting I'm, I'm just hoping that they they just go all in with the subscription and the cloud and all of it and they're just like here's the thing you know we've got this amazing cloud service now because they've got playstation now so they've got the infrastructure they just need good games <laughs> like they can they yes. cannot compete yeah. with with game just. pass or like it's it's crazy how much better it is and it makes me sad that there's not one on the playstation but there we are so yeah hopefully because i mean playstation gamers are very vocal when it comes to this kind of thing if you go <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly you know what? people are actually quite passionate about this kind of thing crazily enough um so I and you know there's there's mounting pressure from fans are like look this is what everyone's getting and, and the PlayStation Plus games a month seem rubbish at the moment so hopefully oh. 2022 will be a good year for kind of Sony and the PlayStation brand but we'll see fingers crossed right that is all the news I wanted to talk about now let's get on to the main event which yes yeah, Snapdragon Summit is the big talking point this week uh, I think since November 30th I think is when. Dom landed or they kicked the event off. But yeah, Dom's over in Hawaii. He is running around the island, checking out silicon, checking out developmental hardware, and he's been writing it all up. So you can check it out all on the site right now, techadvisor.com. But we have a couple of important things to talk about from that. First and foremost is the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, which we did touch on, I think, last week because we were talking about, Lewis and I were there talking about the Dimensa T9000, which is MediaTek's new forthcoming flagship chip. Uh, one of the first chips built on a 4 nanometer process, and guess what? So is the 8 Gen 1, as we kind of predicted. Um, beyond the, the name, which we already knew about before they announced the chip, um, I'll just run through some of the kind of more mundane but maybe important aspects of what this actually brings to the table. So it's using a new ARM V9 architecture. It has a Cortex-X chip like the Snapdragon 888 and 888 Plus, but this is an X2 prime core. So they're kind of main, most powerful core running the show. It's clocked at 2.995 gigahertz. So it's a little bit of a slower clock than the Dimensity 9000's main, main core. Then there's a three Cortex-A710 performance cores clocked at 2.5 gigahertz and four Cortex-A510 efficiency cores clocked at 1.8 gigahertz. Um, Qualcomm says this means 20% more power efficiency 
excuse me, 20% more power and 30% more efficiency from the CPU. Uh, the GPU also gets a bump, so that's 30% more uh, power and 25% better, better power efficiency. Um, so all of that is kind of, you know, obvious expected upgrades. Some of the early leaked scores that we saw from test hardware were suggesting that it was obviously better than the 888, but not maybe by as much as some will have hoped. So we'll have to see it in actual hardware, consumer-ready hardware, to kind of really tell how much of a jump this is bringing to the table. Um, the name might sound fresh, but maybe the underlying process at work doesn't maybe uh, so, reflect quite as big a leap as some people might expect. Um, well, this is the thing is like, I think the name is going to be a big like marketing tactic to be able to bump the price up of oh, like, the sure. next phones. But then when you actually like put them side by side, there may not be a massive difference or the differences may not be like, you know, if you tested them, you wouldn't necessarily be able to see. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just assuming here, mm. like just based on what we've seen, but like, yeah, it will be interesting to see like how much that changes. I mean, something we we never really get insight on how much manufacturers have to pay per chip to put in mm. a phone. Yeah. But it was famously reported, I think, two years ago now, the 865 generation, Snapdragon 865 flagship chip was very expensive and that's why we got so many phones with the snapdragon was it the 765g that went into the pixel 5 yeah and a bunch of other phones because it was a really good price performance balance uh it was like a high-end mid-range chip with 5g that just there weren't many of those and that was the chip that so many brands ended up putting in their flagship phones because the 865 was so pricey um i kind of hope you know based on this branding what you're saying is very potentially real is that, you know, they'll use it as a kind of springboard to put up a high price again and be like, look at this new chip. Mm -hmm. But based on those initial benchmarking scores, the the advancement over the 888 performance wise isn't as great as maybe people might expect. So, yeah. And Qualcomm's got more competition this year as well from MediaTek with the Dimensity 9000. So. I think that, yeah, that Dimensity looks like a legitimate serious competitor, which I've never really thought of MediaTek in that way. But yeah, yeah this year it looks like serious. So yeah, They've could be been good. Doing their research, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, biding their time, waiting, and now they're ready to pounce. Um, uh, a few other things that it can supposedly sport is um, up to 144 hertz on displays at QHD plus resolution. MediaTek said something similar, but they didn't use the same metric. So their chip promises 180 hertz up to uh, at full HD plus resolution. So it's hard to compare if you're kind of wanting to know just how the two kind of sit side by side. Um, there's a new 7th gen AI engine with four times AI performance. Um, interesting one was uh, a new ISP, uh, an image signal processor, which you know they usually use for just camera stuff, like obvious camera stuff. And they, it has one of those as well for 8K video recording in HDR is possible, bokeh in 4K video is possible, four extra stops of dynamic range. But this, this extra little ISP is also there for always on functionality, which I don't think... I'm aware of in a chip having an always on ISP before. So that seemed interesting to me. So the things like face unlock, but I was also wondering if it would have like instant object recognition for translation or AI tasks and things like that. Mm. So you didn't maybe have to open an app or something. I, I thought there was real potential in that. Yeah. Even though it's a little thing in the chip, I thought it was quite interesting. Um, and then we have a new uh, X65 modem. So just, Faster speeds, both up and down, I think up to 3.5 gigabits per second up, which is pretty amazing across both millimeter wave and sub six support. And then we have a bunch of devices that are already confirmed to be running on this chip, which is, this is the most exciting. I mean, part, my favorite thing is all the companies just scrambling yeah. to be like, we're going to have it. We're going to have it. 
6th of December. Well, I'm coming out on the 5th. Well, I'm doing mine on the 4th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just as with last year, I think, with the 888, uh, I think Jami is, is first to the table. The Jami 12, which is their expected next flagship, um, is going to be available soon. So they haven't said when exactly. But all thoughts are it's before um, the year's end. Well, apparently, um, and- Motorola's claimed that it's coming even sooner, haven't they? Yeah, Motorola is trying to sneak in there with the Moto Edge X30. So a very confusing new name in the Edge range. I don't want to get into that right now. But yes, they also have a phone. And when's that coming, Lewis? Uh, that's coming on the 9th of December. So that's literally next week. That's a week away. What? So that would be, yeah, crazy soon. It's almost like these manufacturers have known about this chip for a while. Imagine They're that. They're already having it in phones <laughs> that are ready next week. You mean they've not just found out like us? <laughs> yeah. Preposterous. I always yeah. thought you could just plug um, a CPU into a phone, you know, just... There you go, installed. That's all you have to do. Easy stuff. Yeah, well, that's I think that's the idea behind like um, the Fairphone and stuff like that, although I've never really seen them quite achieve that level no, of flexibility. That would be very good. One day, we'll get there. Yeah, um, yeah so it looks like Motorola and Jamie are the only brands that are going to be having products on store shelves with the 8th Gen 1. Oh, it's not, it it's not going to be good, time. yeah. <laughs> uh, this side of the new year. Um, and that also probably means they'll both be China exclusive for the time being. I'm pretty sure last mm-hmm. year the Xiaomi 11 or then the Mi 11 didn't hit international waters until the new year. So if you are excited for this new Qualcomm chip, you might have to wait a little bit longer if you're not in China. Um, speaking of waiting a little bit longer, if you are fans of other brands, uh, Oppo's already been like, yeah, we're going to have a phone in the first quarter of 2021. Realme as well, which makes sense because Realme and Oppo are basically one and the same. Yep. The GT2 Pro, their new first ever premium flagship, uh, which is, I think, pretty pretty much a, a huge disservice to all of their previous efforts in terms of the high end. Um, that is also coming in the first half of 2022. And then we've had uh, Black Shark, Honor, IQ, Nubia, OnePlus, Redmi, which is obviously Xiaomi again, Sharp, Sony, Vivo, and ZTE have all also said they're going to be having a phones with an HM1. So basically everyone minus Apple, which makes sense, and Google, uh, which makes sense because they've moved to Tensor, which we talked about before. Mm. The only other thing, the only other big omission there really for me was Samsung. Yeah. And... The strangest thing is this is built on a four nanometer Samsung designed process. So this chip is made effectively using Samsung tech, but Samsung wasn't part of that roster. The uh, caveat to that, if if you will, is that they weren't on the roster last year either for the 888, but they did have that chip in a phone eventually. So they just like to be dramatic. Don't know why. You know. Yeah, they just they want just, like they don't know, want to pay for the branding. The They're like, we don't need to tease. Okay, we're gonna have the phone. <laughs> it's coming. When I first. When I first heard it, that Samsung wasn't in that initial list, I was like, well, we talked last week about the fact that the MediaTek chip is now apparently going to feature in a high-end Samsung phone. So uh-huh. have they ditched uh-huh. Qualcomm? But then the signs, it's too, too, cra- it'd be yeah, too crazy. That's too much. I mean, at, what, at what point do you think Samsung will do? And do you think they'll ever do like an Apple or a Google and move away? I mean, they've always kind of dabbled with it by having their Exynos range, but they've never committed fully. And no. it really, I don't, I, I presume there's some sort of licensing or something that means they have to have Qualcomm chips in certain mm. markets, mm. like America. It's one of those kind um, of really old backroom deals, like where Microsoft has to sell Duracell <laughs> batteries with the Xbox controller because of this one deal. Is that a thing? That is a thing. Is that, that a thing? That's a thing, yeah. Oh, Aww. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Never That's knew that. Didn't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so we don't know officially that Samsung is going to be offering a phone with this chip, but as they're the ones who help make it, 
in a roundabout way. I would be very surprised Surely. if they didn't. That would be a very strange, strange move indeed. So yeah, assume that there will also be a Samsung phone running on an 8 Gen 1 at some point in the next year. Probably um, the S22, I'm gathering. Would make sense, wouldn't it? You'd imagine. Yeah, which we're expecting in the first few months of the new year. Uh, although I think rumours were that it could even be moved up even sooner. No, um, it's this vote anymore. Well, the, the whole, you know, the, S, the, the S21 FE, the S22, all of it, they're just, I don't think even Samsung knows at this point. <laughs> at this point, <laughs> fair. Um, and then, oh, a couple of other rumoured devices that weren't actually mentioned by name, but, you know, Redmi was on that list. The Redmi K50 is the device that expected that's expected to have this chip. And um, Asus wasn't on the list, but the ROG Phone 6 makes sense as well. Oh, being for sure. A chip and yeah. Asus always like throws in the top chip. Yeah, there is no way that's not happening. Of RAM. What's that? So there is no way that is not happening. They'll put that no, in there with sure, about 25 sure. gig of RAM and be like, yep, call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> done. My job is done. Um, so yeah, so that that is effectively everything, I think, fundamentally that you need to know about the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. Um, yeah, that's... That's going to be the chip that's probably going to power your next flagship Android phone. So get excited, I guess. And if you want to know more details, Dom has already got a full write-up. Uh, actually, two different perspectives on uh, both the manufacturers and the devices that they are cooking up running on this chip and the chip itself, which you can check out on the website. They're right. working in very hard. Staying with the <laughs> in Hawaii. Yes, yes. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, it's frustrating that he is justifying him being there beyond just sitting, sipping cocktails. Oh. So I can't be mad at him because he's done a bunch of great work. This is the, this is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Qualcomm, yes, they didn't just stop with a smartphone chip. They show, they've already shown off a whole host of other bits of silicon, including some new uh, 5G-capable chips for laptops, PCs, and Chromebooks um, in the 8CX Gen 3 and the 8C Plus, 7C Plus. I mean... I'm not going to touch it about the names. In, you know, in the same, in names, the same thing. On tech. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but then they also uh, talked about the Snapdragon G3X Gen 1. I'm going to be doing a test at the end and you're going to have to, from memory, recite the different chip names and we're going to see how we do. But uh, yeah, Snapdragon <laughs> G3X Gen 1, uh, which they didn't go into as anywhere near as much detail as they did about the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, um, but it's assumed to be running on a very similar architecture, um, presumably with a greater focus on gaming and graphical performance. And the way they were showing that off, or are currently showing that off at the Snapdragon Summit, is by showing off a developmental handheld gaming console that they built in partnership with Razer, which is pretty cool. I mean, you guys have seen the images. It kind of looks like maybe an xbox controller that they've literally yeah. sawn in half kind of like the patent <laughs> that we were talking about earlier yeah yeah what do you guys think based on the initial uh images and stuff i yeah when i first saw the images i was like this is ugly i don't like this <laughs> like Same. i was like no this just but it's doesn't... developmental hardware so that's okay exactly <laughs> and then i think i think the bigger thing was was kind of reading dom's hands on i was like actually this doesn't mm. sound bad it just depends on how they market it more than anything um if this is kind of like your go-to for cloud gaming and and you know just remote gaming that's fine but then why would you need such a high-end chipset on it because you don't need that if you're cloud gaming um yeah we we should say i guess that it at the event, it's running Android games, just like yeah, games you'd be able exactly. to download from the Play Store. But the concept mm. is that you can also, you know, of course, jump on Stadia or jump on Xbox Game Pass Ultimate or, I guess, PlayStation. you got remote um, play. 
locally. Remote play, that's, <laughs> that's the one. Um, but like, uh, any other game streaming services I've forgotten about right now? Uh, I think that's about it. Yeah, GeForce Now, yeah. PlayStation Now. And I guess now. Steam as well. Yeah, you've got the local things like that. And I think there's one, mm. Shadow is another one. I don't, I don't know oh, how yeah. optimized that Shadow. is for that kind of thing. But yeah, this is the problem because <clears throat> if it's just designed for Android games, and that's boring. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but like, and mobile, you know, Android mobile games are good because, you know, they give you something to do. But like, I'm not going to buy a dedicated device to play mobile games when I can literally already no. do that on my mobile. I need something different to kind of tempt me with yeah, this Yeah, I guess this would make a lot of sense for like the most avid Genshin Impact players yeah. because you can play that on yeah. Android or you can play that on like, I think the Switch has a version. So Well, can... this is the thing. You can play it on the Switch and it's <laughs> like the Switch is in, in probably, I'm assuming, infinitely a better handheld experience for these sorts of yeah. things. So it's like... I mean, I would jump to say yes, but then I thought about it when I first had that thought and I was like, well, that's running on a tweaked version of NVIDIA's Tegra X1 chip from several years ago now. I mean, the console came out in 2017, right? And even the new Odo model is still running on that same silicon. So a lot has changed in that time. And for a mobile device, um, yeah, architecture like that, like like what's in the 8 Gen 1 and the G3X Gen 1, I'm going to trip up on those names at some point. Oh, yeah. um, it is arguably have to be more advanced by this point. Um, That's true. I think I think the article mentioned something about battery life, which was like, you know, switch yes. battery life, you know, not not to be mean, but oh, it's, it's rubbish. Like, you know, it's, rubbish. <laughs> um, I'm there playing Animal Crossing. It's like battery low. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I picked you up for 20 minutes. I go, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> this, this Razer console, let's call it a console for now, has, I think it's a, a full HD 120 hertz, OLED panel, but mm. the chip, like the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, can support 144 FPS or Hertz, 10-bit uh, color depth HDR, so it can do some really impressive visual stuff. It's also got a 5G modem. Um, I presume it's the X65, as in the 8 Gen 1, which obviously, you know, imagine a switch with cellular connectivity, like good cellular connectivity. That would oh be kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is kind of why I'm excited for it for cloud gaming, because I'm like, that's where I think it will do well. Because you know for the sure. Switch esque mm -hmm. form factor with dedicated fast five G, that's that's yeah, that's where I see it. Yeah, I also kind of wanted the Steam Deck to have cellular. Yeah. I don't think it does. Correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, but um, yeah, between them, like this this makeup definitely has a niche. Yes, I know you can use your phone already with a controller, like we've talked about with Sony, like we've seen with you know the gaming mounts that you can just get for your existing gaming controller. Um, but having dedicated hardware from a company that is all about mobile chips, like that just seemed really like a really interesting recipe for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's also got like a, a, a different audience in the sense that, you know, like um, there'll be people who love Xbox or PlayStation, but don't have that, that sort of experience to be able to have handheld, which Nintendo already covers. So it's mm. like, you know, obviously it's probably never going to compete in the same way that the main consoles do but True. it's gonna have a, an audience that could pick up and I, i'm excited to see like other people like like the steam deck things that are entering the space and shaking things up a little bit it's always nice because you get the same things over and over again every few years yeah. so i mean you know like how you can pair like a tablet rather than a phone with a with a plan from your carrier if it's got a a modem in it i could totally see this coming with like uh, a 5g phone plan or cellular plan i should say and six months of xbox game Pass ultimate and google stadia like if they threw all the cloud services at it as well and that's the package that you buy yeah this suddenly feels like a lot makes a lot more sense and i think if you get the 
that intent across as to what this device is meant for um, beyond just playing Android games like at home, then uh, I feel like it has a lot more legs. Obviously, this is not a product right now that is going on sale. This is developmental hardware just showing off the Snapdragon G3X Gen 1. But, but. and Lewis, you did point out it's not the prettiest. It could be massaged, I think, without too much effort into yeah. a consumer-ready product. Yeah. Looking at it now, yeah. According to Dom's hands-on, he said it was pretty polished hardware, even even if it's a dev yeah. kit. And they are selling the dev kits at Razer, so they wouldn't be selling the dev kits if they didn't have plans to do something with it at least. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to say though, things mm -hmm. like this really make you see how far ahead Sony was with the Vita. Like the PS Vita was oh, a beautiful bit of kit. Like even compared to to, to this now, like that is ugly compared to the Vita. In my opinion, mm. <laughs> I mean, we why, were... why did they not? Was it just poor sales? Yeah, I think what? it was. It was. It was yeah. a combination of just it wasn't selling properly. People weren't really developing the big games for the platform um, that they wanted to at the time. But I think now, you know, with cloud gaming and these improvements in chipset and stuff like that, they would smash it with the Vita. I would love to have a Vita, yeah. like a modern Vita, for PlayStation games. And I think if anything, like the 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 Switch has proven that like handheld gaming, it's not like it's not going no, anywhere. Yeah. Like people still want it, like actively, like you know. So it's like yeah, it's definitely not a niche. And I think it was also yeah, yeah it was a weird little yeah the weird little CD things to kind of put in them. It was just a bit of a, a bit oh of a mess. yeah the CDs yeah. <laughs> you, I remember that UMDs yeah it was, was something that, weird was like that, that. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I mean Sony loves a weird proprietary format, do. but like they it do. was cool. Um, but yeah, the, the Vita, like a lot of Sony, I feel like Sony, it does learn from its mistakes, but also sometimes it kind of doesn't. And in this space, it's always really good at pushing some, usually the most powerful hardware or some of the most powerful hardware versus its competitors. And then just not having the library to back it up. Yeah. And on PlayStation, PlayStation, the console, the home console, I think they fixed that now because they have so many really good exclusives with like God of War and Horizon and all that stuff. I don't think they ever quite made that recipe work on with the PSP and the PS Vita. Mm. Um, and obviously, like, it's, it's gotten better, better since then because I think they've, they've understood that and they're learning from that. But, like, the harbour was just very expensive and ahead of its time, like you said, Lewis. Yeah. Um, but the games weren't there to back it up. No, they, and, he had one yeah. Uncharted game they came out for it, which ran phenomenally, by the way, I will say. like I was, There was an Uncharted game? There was the, an Uncharted game the, on the Vita. I did yeah, not yeah. realise that. And it was, I just knew there was like a Metal Gear Solid one that like you could put a weird 3D viewer over the screen. Oh, I did stuff. not play that one. That was, oh, no. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds worse. Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, the Vita was an incredible device. Uh, but yeah, just not not meant for this world when it when it came, came out. It's bad. But yeah, I mean, so I, I I can't see Razer if this if something like this does come to market. I can't see them pricing it more than a couple of hundred pound though, if they want it to compete. Like, how much are we really looking at for something like this? When you when bear in mind you do have the Switch Lite, which is basically that exact form factor for one hundred ninety nine mm -hmm. pounds. Yeah, mm -hmm. true. If, but it'd be different audio. It'd be different games yeah. and stuff like that, wouldn't yeah. it? It'd be di arguably worse audience. games because they're all Android based. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they're all Android based, this is the thing. I can't really understand how. Why? Why would you do it? Exactly, I yeah. If I was going to get this, I wouldn't get it for Android games. I'd get it for the streaming yeah. and as a, just a good streaming 100%. device. But the screen sounds a bit small to me, I think. Yeah. For like, if you're streaming console style games or PC games with a PC yeah. style UI, that was always my point about the, yeah. the switch with witcher 3 because i think witcher 3 was just designed for like the big screen so like when i kind of yeah. played it on, on on the portable i was just like this is just too small for me 
Um, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I kind of get that because like when I do play remote play on on my phone, some of the elements from my PS5, I'm kind of like, what is that? Well, you know what? You know, you're trying <laughs> what to are they trying to make out enemies in distance, and they're just dots on a screen you can't see yeah, it exactly so yeah i do think you do need a certain size for these handhelds to really make them effective i think with the, the switch does well because it doesn't really have a lot of those kind of fps kind of games so like those those split second reaction times don't matter as much per se yeah they're designed the de- games that are designed with the hybrid thing in yeah. mind and that's what makes it so unique whereas like games that are for the flagship consoles they're they're designed for you know it's like look exactly. at this packing yeah, in the exactly they're designed for 50 inch tvs it just doesn't translate yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you, do you think this approach was maybe the wrong approach and they should have done something that is more true to a Switch competitor in that it docks and does a big screen experience as well? Would that have helped? Or I is mean, it... I think it'd just get criticised then, wouldn't it? Just being <laughs> sure. like, look at this Switch. It'd just be headlines, yeah. Switch knockoff. Look at from, the Razor you know? Switch. <laughs> Alienware do something like that? <laughs> like, that was a bit clunky and horrible. But oh, did they? Which one was yes. that? What? Oh. Yeah. I'm sure we have a piece on it somewhere. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so do we like or where do we fall? I'm I'm hesitant. I think I need to see I need to see more about the, ga- is it. the games yeah. that are going to be on you it. You need to see because like, this is what makes any uh, hardware like it doesn't. Re- I mean, the hardware matters to a certain extent, but it's the games, it's the things you can do on it. Like it's it's the same with the Huawei's. You know, Huawei has exceptional hardware in every respect, but without the apps yeah. on it, you're not going to buy one. Sorry, yeah, Huawei, sure. by the way. <laughs> no, but it's true. Like, you know, you can barely, if you try and use it without Google, I've tried, it's, it's, it's. The headache. Nay, impossible. Yeah. Well, not impossible, but, you know, it's just not a good user experience. No. And that's the same. You wouldn't, it's no good buying a PlayStation 5 if you don't like any of the games on there. You just be like, oh, look. <laughs> I mean, I did buy my PS4 Pro for one specific game, and then I subsequently found other games that I enjoyed, but that was a bit of a gamble. I'm, I'm doing yeah, well, that gamble, with yeah. an Xbox. I need to buy an Xbox just oh. for Starfield. Like, I cannot let this game slip me by. <laughs> and I hate the fact that oh, I'm going to have to get an Xbox. Elder Scrolls 6 will come in 40 years. I know, Don't yeah, worry. that'll be the next <laughs> one to justify it. will be on every platform under the sun, though. So you don't have to worry. It'll be on your, like, smart sofa by the end of the <laughs> No, that'll be Skyrim first. And then, yeah, true, and then true. Skyrim will it. come back again, yeah, in yeah. eight other guises, for sure. Um, as you mentioned, Huawei, that is, I think, a really good jumping off point. We're going to leave Qualcomm behind, as wonderful as they've been this week, and there is more, like I said, to read on the site about them. But um, former Bedfellow and kind of sub-brand of Huawei Honor has just launched its new... I will I'll call them flagships because that's the best phones they do, but they are basically more premium mid-ranges is probably the better, more accurate description in the Honor 60 series. Now, this was a launch on December 1st. It was a China-only launch, um, so we don't yet know whether any of the devices announced are coming to markets outside of China. Um, but yeah, we have the Honor 60 and the Honor 60 Pro, and they look very nice. First and foremost, they have a sparkly new back finish, which is I think arguably one of the biggest selling points. Yeah, um, they've they've always done well, even with their like budget phones of making them look like yeah, very, true, yeah, very pretty, iconic, very pretty. yeah, distinct, which is important, I think. Um, I still miss that Lumia design language with the fluorescent backs, man. That was the that was that was really good. Uh, yeah, industrial design, in my opinion. But yeah, they've got these nice sparkly backs. Um, they look like the predecessors, the Honor Fifties, which only launched, I think. Yeah, less than uh, earlier this year, so not even a whole year ago. Um, and they have that same, I think, twin reflex-inspired camera design, so like the old kind of accordion-style cameras of old. It looks sort of like that is what they're going for, but it's these basically two con- two parallel circles on the back. Um, but unlike the quad camera setup on the Honor 50 series, the 60 actually puts two 
big sensors in those two circles, which makes a lot more sense yeah. and I think looks a lot nicer as well from like mm. a physical design standpoint too. Um, the Pro is the big one in terms of upgrades. The main sensor on both is 108 megapixel, just as it was, same aperture, same pixel size as on the Honor 50. Um, but then I think it's a 50 megapixel wide angle on the Pro model in, as that secondary sensor, whereas I think the regular Honor 60 has an 8 meg sensor. Oh, God, that's a massive, yeah. A yeah, massive pretty significant difference. Um, it, it's all actually like, initially I was just comparing the two phones, but the more I read also, they are, I mean, especially the Honor 60 and the Honor 50, they are weirdly similar. I think you get a bigger battery is really the main hook. Um, 4,800 across both 60 variants, uh, whereas I think it was like 4,500 and then 4,000 in the 50 Pro, which didn't launch outside of China, if I'm not mistaken. So I have a theory, right, mm. that a lot of mobile providers, they just create a base version so that they can make the Pro version look better. Oh, yeah, 100%. And they don't really expect to make much of a return on it, but they're just like... Oh, well, here's the base version, you know, like whatever. Yeah. But hey, look, <laughs> look, look at the at pro this version. version. Like, this is what you want. It does, sure. it does annoy me. I'm not going to lie, but you know. <laughs> I mean, I feel that like that's marketing. That's like a classic marketing tactic for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I'd get the pro only because it seems to have the most meaningful upgrades, but even those are pretty minor. I mean, both phones are bigger than their predecessors. It's a 6.67 inch full HD, 120 hertz OLED panel or a 6.78 inch. Um, so they're pretty big. They're not massive, but the the Pro is is getting towards the same sort of screen size as a S, uh, Galaxy Note 20 Ultra um, for reference, which I think was 6.9. Um, the only other real hook, though, is the 778G+, Plus, which is a kind of overclocked version of the 778G that's already in both the Honor 50 phones and the Honor 60. So it's, it's pretty incremental stuff to the point where I, I question why Honor felt the need to push this phone and not instead focus on a new flagship. And, and we're still waiting on the Magic 3 series, mm. which they said was launching internationally, but we still don't have it. So, Was there a massive gap with the Honor 50 in it launching in China and then launching internationally? Yeah, several months. I think it was March. Don't quote me, but it was like March or sometime in China. And then we got it. I mean, Dom reviewed it at the end of November. Yeah, I, I just remember like us talking about being like, when the heck is this on the yeah, fifty yeah. coming? Like, because it just like didn't didn't. Quite, I know it might have been like shipping delays or whatever, but yeah, it's like one of those things of like, even though it's been announced, it could be like ages. Yeah, and and the hook of these devices, as with the on a fifty range, but they're kind of just doubling down. Is is vlogging is the whole kind of focus? So this jumps from Magic UI four point two to five, um, atop Android eleven, um, and the main upgrade seems to be just like the vlogging mode that we already saw in both actually the Nova 9 that Huawei launched and the Honor 50, which is a bit awkward, um, even though they're slightly different visually. Um, they've just kind of given you more AI functionality. There's a whole host of gesture controls now, so you can flip the cameras around and start recording all just using your hands, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't dislike that as a feature. Yeah. But I don't know if that's enough to warrant. I feel like you'd be pretty miffed if you bought an Honor 50 within the last year. And this is just, you know, incremental, but little improvements. I just, yeah. I love... But with the same chip, you could also just uh, maybe software update. The I was going to say, surely, surely you can't just roll this out. Yeah, they, they like, can, but... Actually, I just thought... They yeah, won't. The, the <laughs> <same>. <laughs> <laughs> and then they will sell yeah. none of them. 
No, I, I've, yeah. I've put um, an image of the the rear of the the, uh, 50, the 60 Pro up on the stream. Yeah, and it looks so much nicer in real life because initially I just had the uh, the official render, but this looks like an actual photo of a hands-on event. Um, mm. And that sparkly rear just looks really. It does look really nice. nice. Like, yeah, it's it's a bit crazy looking, a bit ga like garish, but I kind of I, would, like, I would enjoy yeah, it's like an, using it. The white, the kind of like a whitey orangish copper. I'm not quite sure what the color is. Yeah, that looks so good. Like that is just yeah. yeah I tried... it's, it's just nice to see something that is like not afraid to do something that's a bit bold yeah. and you know yeah have have yeah and honors like I said always been good. And I think that. like some some uh, companies yeah. do forget that the, you do still need the wow factor with these phones. You know it just it just makes the experience a little bit more when you know when you open a box and you're like wow like this is actually you know the build quality is really nice. Um, it's kind of like what the, the watch I've got at the moment. Like it's just nice build quality. Like it's just it, go, you yeah. know, it goes a long way for this kind of you thing. You do notice it. exactly. Like, there'll be, yeah, there'll be people who are shopping online, and then they'll you know they will just look at, you know straight away more at the design yeah. more than anything, and then yeah. like you know a lot of the internals are a bunch of numbers. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we, we like... I think we forget in this tech bubble that we're so focused and they're like, well, the, the you know incremental battery updates, incremental processor updates, but to the average person, they're like, well, it looks a lot better, so. I'm gonna get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm even thinking about myself. You know, I'll look at something and I'm like, "But that is a nice color. Yeah. Like, you know, I will take that." Yeah. yeah. I guess the design is is actually probably one of the bigger upgrades here, um, especially on the Pro. The they both have curved edge displays, but the Pro display curves at the top and bottom as well. Um, mm -hmm. And also, they've really, by the looks of it, shrunk down the bezels to. I mean, the the initial like teaser renders were a bit misleading because the screen just goes right to the metal frame around the edge, which <laughs> yeah. is not actually how it is in real life um as i checked it's on the photos not. but they're not the only company guilty of doing that sort of thing in their images but uh, yeah the bezels on the on the pro look really thin which with that curved display which is i think 88 degrees which is really that's a pretty heavy duty yeah. curve um yeah it looks really really nice very premium so even though it is a premium mid-ranger i could totally see someone who's going for a design first phone decision this this looks way better than the 50 in that regard i think the camera section on the back looks, looks better here the finish is nicer the display is more like refined so yeah it seems like a nice upgrade the, the problem for us over here in the west is that i imagine they'll do what they did with the honor 50 and we'll only get the base 60 and not the pro oh, the pro is the one that i like yeah that's disappointing and it feels like a more meaningful upgrade because the other one is just using the same chip same amount of ram um, a bit more RAM. It's like eight gigabytes is the base, whereas the fifty had six gigabytes. But beyond that, yeah, it's very similar. Maybe they'll just repackage so, yeah, the I Pro we get the as Pro. the sixty, because we you know these companies don't care. Don't care about branding, do they? <laughs> no, I'll take it. I'll have that. It's usually Oppo who confuses the names and their products internationally, and it gets really messy yeah. really quickly. But it's hard to keep track. It is. Um, yeah. Do we know? I mean, do we know like how much the fifty was when that came out? Oh, for sure. Uh, I have some regional pricing for the 50. Uh, oh, here we are. I've just found piece. it. Yeah, so the Honor 50 standard model, bearing in mind this started with 6 gigs of RAM versus 8, like I just said. Um, the direct conversion from the Chinese pricing was 320 quid, um, whereas the direct conversion from the Chinese pricing for the, the base 8 gig 128 Honor 60, oh, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same. Hey. Same, nice. same starting price. So it's... 2,699 yen for the base on a 60 and the base on a 50, but the 60 comes with more RAM and an improved camera and a new, like more up-to-date OS. That's really mm. it. Beyond that, it's kind of the same phone. I mean, so yeah, 
Yeah, I, I don't think you can expect dramatic things for like a mid ranger these days because they, you know, they've they've played catch up so well over the last few years. I think you know, rather than the the high end being the exciting area of the phone market, it's the budget, and it's the mid range because that's what's mm. seen the most significant gains in performance, in battery life, and camera performance uh, since yeah, since like twenty fifteen or whatever. Um, and but yeah, I think there's just so much that you can do. You know, when it comes to this, when you've got to squeeze in, when you've got to squeeze in at the same price tag, as, well, near the same price tag of what you, of the model you've already got, yeah, you're kind of yeah. locked in without, you know, spending crazy amounts on R&D and, and retooling manufacturing processes and <laughs> all the rest of it. Well, with that in mind, I was wondering whether this is more a case of them dealing with the chip shortage of having enough of the 778 yeah. and not being able to buy fancier chips. So... They just thought they'd just tweak what they had already and, and serve it up again. It just seems... It may, it may also be a chance, because I'm, I'm assuming that they probably have had some, like, brand damage after everything that happened, like, with oh, the Huawei sure. stuff. So, you know, just being able to, like, have another excuse to release something and to get their name out again and be like, hey, you know, we, we're, we're, separate. we're back and, and all this. Because, <laughs> yeah, mean, it's like, you know, a lot of people may still not know and they may just think... I mean, I do. Yeah, like, my, my initial, whenever I hear about on it i'm like oh it's huawei and then i'm like no way yeah not anymore yeah yeah to that point though hannah like in china where this wasn't this was a non-issue uh it was just you know it was just a business move it didn't really affect the end user much i think they're mm -hmm. doing exceptionally well right now i think they are number three or they were number three pretty recently in terms of phone sales so they they've actually wow, wow. done better since for whatever reason, even though I think they've lost the access to a whole host of patents that that Huawei has under yeah, like Huawei ownership of, is very good at that. The, the patents and especially yeah. the software patents on, on the on the kind of things that they implement into EMUI and stuff like that, like and some of it's so good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, and also I guess this also reflects that this still looks like a device that was definitely the process for it was definitely kicked off whilst they were still two like one company oh, was still under the same roof. Yeah. Yes. We're still yet to see a true new Honor device that is pure Honor engineering, design, software development, all under one roof. I don't think that's going to happen for a couple of years yet, to be honest. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Although they do, I mean, they innovate quick. They they do turn around devices yeah, pretty fast. Point. Yeah. So. I know, I'm comparing it to Apple, where I'm like, well, they knew that the iPhone 12 wasn't so yeah, probably, well. but they still make the 13 mini because they, they were just so far along in that process already. So that's just what I just imagine yeah. that Honor's got like a whole year worth of Huawei designed phones coming before they can be like, right, yeah, for sure. we've cleared that off. Let's do our own thing now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we don't know when the Honor 60 or 60 Pro are heading further afield, but they're out now in China. You can check out all the details on techadvisor.com. I think with that, that is everything that I want to talk about this week with you guys. So thank you so much for joining me, you two. Thank you, everyone who's been watching the stream or listening at home. Um, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you have enjoyed the podcast, the audio version of the podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. I don't know whether Dom's going to be back or whether he's just going to never come home. It's kind of hard to say at this point. We'll have to try and, I don't know, convince him with like turkey and Christmas crackers, but I'll, I'll, stay, I'll stay in Hawaii. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't train exactly. away personally, but there we but go. Okay, so Don might or might not be back next week. I think uh, may never I think see him again. Next Thursday, it might also be. Uh, oh no, it's not next. I'm just losing. I'm mixing up the days now. Forget it's me. near the end of the year. Yeah. Were you thinking it was Christmas it. party? I was holding it together. But yes, Christmas party will be soon too. Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye, bye, guys. Bye.